Hi, welcome back to Legal Cut Pro, the only Canadian entertainment law podcast. My name is Greg Pang, along with my podcast partner, Michelle Molyneux. And today's podcast we have entitled Drones Gone Wild. But first, a shout out to our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Alberta Media Production Industries Association, or Ampia, and its professional development team. Special thanks to Jane Toogood, our audio editor, and you can find her on Instagram at JJ underscore Toogood. You know what's exciting about Ampia coming up? We have the Rosies, or what they've formerly maybe this has always been the formal name of the awards night is the Alberta film and television awards. And this year it is taking place at the Hyatt Regency in Calgary on May 23rd. If you have not purchased your tickets already, you can find them by going to Ampia's website at ampia.org. That's A M P I A.org. Awesome. Hi, this is Greg Pang with Legal Cut Pro with an insert, a sponsored segment. And I am here with Corey Angeletti Saz, who is a bilingual communications professional. She joined the Canadian Film Center in 2014 and now serves as manager communications, where she oversees CFC's media relations and corporate communication strategies, social media strategy, and community engagement, and also acts as deputy editor and copy editor of CFC's website. Corey, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So, Corey, can you please tell us a little bit about CFC's Manny? Actually, before we get into that, I noticed that on the copy on the website that it's not the CFC, it's CFC without the the. Is that correct? You can say it either way. Okay. Do you know that movie with, I think it's Matt Damon, something about, um, it was a, a CIA movie where they ask at the end of the movie, do you know why we say CIA and not the CIA? Do you know what movie I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah, and then they said, uh, do, you, do you say the God when you mention God? So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I wonder if they had any kind of like equivalent with CFC. It's like when people ask you, uh, it, it, no, it's CFC, not the CFC. Do you mention the because God? <laughs> no, nothing like that? No, we should, though. That would be a good reference. <laughs> okay, perfect. Anyway, back to the CFC's mandate. Can you tell us a little bit about the CFC's mandate? Or, sorry, about CFC's mandate. Yeah, absolutely. So um, our mandate is to develop and advance Canadian creative and entrepreneurial talent in the screen-based industry. So we do this through the suite of programs and initiatives that we run here, and they span film and television, screen acting, composing and songwriting for the screen, and digital and immersive media. In our previous plug for uh, the CFC, or sorry, CFC, we mentioned the Cineplex film programs. Mm -hmm. Can you please let us know a little bit about what that program is and, and why filmmakers should consider applying? Absolutely. So the Cineplex film program is CFC's longest running and signature film program. So it was the one that Norman Jewison, the celebrated filmmaker and our Ooh. founder. Um, yeah, he's our founder. He, so he conceptualized that program for the CFC when it first opened more than 30 years ago. So it's comprised of four different labs. There's the directors, producers, writers and editors labs. And each one is tailored to the unique and specific needs of the creators. Um, so I would say that filmmakers should, should consider applying to this program because it's the only intensive and collaborative program of its kind in Canada. So it helps filmmakers really establish their voice in the screen entertainment industry. And throughout the program, residents um, have the opportunity to, to build original content for the marketplace. They get to participate in workshops, meetings, and masterclasses, case studies with renowned guests and mentors. And ultimately, it helps them accelerate their careers. Perfect. And 
there are, of course, some amazing alumni that come out of the Cineplex film program. Any one or two in particular you'd like to speak about or brag about? Sure. So, so many of CFC's celebrated and accomplished alumni have come through this particular program. Um, but if I had to mention only a couple right now, I'd have to uh, give a shout out to Kathleen Hepburn. So she went through our writer's lab and she's getting Ooh. a lot of attention right now for her critically acclaimed feature, The Body Remembers When the World Broke Open. Um, you might have heard about it. It was at TIFF recently, well, back in September. And so she co-wrote and co-directed that film. And it was just recently named one of uh, Canada's top 10 films of 2019 by TIFF. That um, is fantastic. Yeah, it's great. It's a really, really great uh, feature. So if you haven't had a chance to see it, if your listeners haven't had a chance to see it, they should check it out. Um, and I'd also have to mention Brad Payton. So he's an alumnus of our director's lab, and he's best known for his collaborations with Dwayne Johnson on the action-adventure Hollywood blockbusters like Journey to the Mysterious Island, San Andreas, and Rampage. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. The Rock. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'll give you a mini, I guess, testimonial from a client of mine. She has given me permission to mention this, uh, Jillian McCurcher. Okay. Yeah, so she is in the process of uh, finishing up the 2019 Cineplex film program. That's right. She has nothing but great things to say about CFC and the Cineplex film program. Oh, that's wonderful. We actually just had their uh, showcase on, which is sort of the final event um, for the Cineplex film program. We just had their showcase on Wednesday night, and they're actually having their graduation right now as we speak down (laughs) in in the space below me. Very nice. And we'll check yeah. that out on Instagram, all the, the pictures you guys and stories uh, you will be posting about that. Yes, great. And uh, just uh, one last thing, uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to just mention for our audience that we, have, of course, we, can, we have come to an arrangement, a sort of a quid pro quo, not, mm-hmm. not a bad quid pro quo, not in terms of influencing foreign elections or anything like that, <laughs> like bribing, anyways, <laughs> not that kind. Not the but, bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> but we are, uh, we are plugging you, you are plugging us, and mm-hmm. our interest, of course, is to, well, not of course, maybe not, it's not obvious, but we want to grow our audience out in Ontario, mm-hmm. and we'd like to help spread the word more about CFC uh, over out here in the West, uh, yeah. West Canada. Yeah. So thank you very much for that. You're very kind for uh, taking us up on that. And uh, we hope that this is uh, mutually beneficial for both of us. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And where can people find CFC uh, other than at on the website cfccreates.com? Where else can they find CFC? Yep. So we are on Twitter um, and Facebook and Instagram, all at CFC Creates. All right, and we're back. Is there anything new to talk about, Greg? No, other than a very hectic start to 2020 for myself, um, quite quite a few productions in development and pending, well, actually going to camera very soon, so very hectic start for me. Still teaching my course at McEwen University and just uh, enjoying life. How about yourself, Michelle? That's awesome. I've been pretty busy um, also doing some producing work right now. We're going to be going to camera in March, so I'm really excited about that. And other than that, apologies to everyone for my voice today because I'm a little bit sick again. (laughs) Oh, Michelle, you don't have to ever apologize for your voice. Oh, it's very sweet of you, Greg. Hopefully I'm not too scratchy. (laughs) No, for real. I can't tell that you're sick. Maybe it's better today. Maybe I should always sound like this. (laughs) Oh, for the listener, what's exciting for myself, at least, that me and Michelle are working on another show together. Uh, we can't really disclose the nature of the the work yet, but um, you know, hopefully, we can talk more about it in the near future. 
Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I'm sure we'll we'll have some some good stories to tell from it all. So exactly. So today's episode, as I mentioned, is drones gone wild. This is the part three. <laughs> this is the third part of our drone series, and we are going to chat a little bit about the drone pilot who captured footage at a historical Raptors winning parade and legal consequences that pilot is now facing. So first off. The incident. That's right. And as you may recall from our parts one and two of our drone series, there are new Transport Canada regulations or the Canadian Aviation Regulations that came into force last June, that's June 1st, 2019, that regulates the use of drones. So a few weeks after those drone regulations came into place, the Raptors won the... I don't know, Greg, what's the name of the championship that they won? They won the National Basketball Association. (laughs) I'm I'm saying in such a clinical fashion. The NBA's uh, championship game, the the championship rather. And you could tell how much of a big basketball fan I am. I've been the biggest Raptors fan since about game six of their uh, (laughs) championship series. But they, they won the championship and which they in the United States would call the world, they call themselves the world champions, which is always amusing to me that an American pro sports league, which includes a Canadian team, the winner of the whole thing calls themselves the world championships. And this is pretty consistent with all the American pro sports leagues. Hmm. So anyway, I just want to throw that in there because it's just a little (laughs) bit of a pet peeve of mine, but the justification for that, of course, is that, well, this is clearly the best basketball league in the world. So whoever wins the best basketball league in the world is clearly, by consequence, the world championships. So we are entitled to call ourselves the world champions. But, Hmm. you know, as a Canadian hockey fan, I do not think the same way about the Stanley Cup because there is a world championship of hockey, which is different from the Stanley Cup champion. And Hmm. we would never call our at least I would never call the Stanley Cup champions the world champions, even though it's likely that that team that wins the Stanley Cup is the best team in the world. But anyway, there is another tournament called the World Championships of Hockey, which is different. I digress. Let's move on from that. And that's not the Olympics? Is that something different? (laughs) Uh, Yes. uh, I think they would not call themselves the world champions, especially in hockey. Mm-hmm. or for the American listeners, ice hockey. There, there is a world chan- championship uh, under the IIIHF. There mm-hmm. is the Stanley Cup champion, of course. And then you have Olympic champions, who is, which is the tournament, the hockey tournament that takes place during the Winter Olympics that determines who is the, which team or which country is the Olympic champions for that, those Olympics. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Sports. <laughs> so the Raptors won a thing. <laughs> Toronto was very excited. Canada was very excited. Everybody's super excited. Toronto plans a big parade and a rally to celebrate the win, and it's at Nathan Phillips Square in Toronto. Yes, and on June 17th, 2019, on the morning before the parade and rally were set to go, Transport Canada actually sent out a tweet giving a little bit of a warning to people about using drones. And I'll quote the tweet here. And this is the official 
Transport Canada Twitter account. We're so happy that the Raptors, the kings of the North, are NBA champions. If you're going to the parade in Toronto to celebrate, be sure to leave your drone at home. Unless we have special permission, or sorry, unless you have special permission, you won't be able to fly. Hashtag we the North, hashtag we the champions. Pretty clear. But uh, one drone pilot, yeah, he didn't listen. No, he did not at all. Mm-hmm. At least allegedly. Uh, so a man flew his DJI Maverick Pro drone. Sounds like a pretty fancy drone over the parade crowd. And due to the size of that drone, it's one of the type that you can't fly over crowds in Canada. And that's right. This drone did capture some pretty incredible footage that was used by media outlets, seen on social media and reposted on social media quite a number of times. And it was also available on the alleged drone pilot's Instagram. So he like put it right up, put it right out there. And overall, it was kind of a cool thing because people were loving this incredible footage. It was kind of part of this big excitement and celebration. Um, But... (laughs) Yeah, but the problem was that Nathan Phillips Square was restricted airspace. And that was what the Transport Canada tweet was alluding to. The airspace above Nathanville Square was restricted during the day of the parade slash rally. And the drone pilot didn't get permission to fly in that restricted airspace, even admitted he wasn't licensed to fly a drone under the regulations, and his drones weren't registered as is required under the regulations. Yeah, so big time breaking the rules. Um, Initially, Transport Canada determined there wasn't enough evidence to investigate And the Toronto Police Service just declined to investigate. Some people in the drone industry got a little bit upset about that. And one individual who was interviewed by CBC, his name is Darren Clark, and he's a chief pilot at the Claren Drone Academy based in Kitchener, Ontario. And he said, we see this drone footage and we get kind of let down a bit. And you see the response from Transport Canada and it just lets you down even more. And then you start thinking... What do we have these rules for? Well, exactly. Um, should we name the drone pilot, Michelle? We haven't actually said his name yet. What's his name again? I have to double check. <laughs> I think it was Tony Goo. Tony Goo. Okay, Mr. Tony Goo. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is that around the time of this entire incident is that me and you, Michelle, we started thinking about doing some drone episodes and maybe discuss this incident and talk about Transport Canada's lack of response or enforcement at that time. And, you know, having worked in law enforcement myself, I I can kind of understand, I can definitely understand the frustration from other law-abiding drone operators about, okay, this guy did this. We could have done that too if we had known that Transport Canada would not be enforcing its regulation at that time. So what gives? Definitely. So it seemed like time just kept passing. Nothing was sort of happening. We thought maybe... Transport Canada is just going to let this slide. But cut to August 2019, Transport Canada does indeed charge the alleged Raptors drone operator. And he's charged with 11 separate violations, totaling a fine of just under $3,000. Yes, and Mr. Gu, uh, for these charges, they stem from both the incident over the parade on June 17th of 2019, as well as flying over a crowd on June 13th following the Raptors winning game six of the, uh, the finals. 
Now, this on its own was kind of interesting because it seemed like, hey, Transport Canada, they're doing their job, you know, kind of case closed sort of thing. But things get even more interesting. The drone pilot created a GoFundMe page, and we'll put the, a link to that GoFundMe in our show notes, titled Raptors Drone Footage Legal Fund. Mm-hmm. Um, so on this GoFundMe page, the pilot suggests he heard that someone has been charged and assumes it's him, though he hasn't received any mail or been contacted personally about the charges. And this is a little bit funny for me because, as I mentioned, I, I worked in law enforcement, and this was a while ago with the Competition Bureau. But I'm trying to remember, and I didn't take care of that particular detail of bringing notice of charges to towards uh, someone who uh, is to be um, prosecuted or uh, some action is to be taken against that person. But in this space, what uh, I guess I suppose like uh, is the way that this guy is to be given notice of these charges through the mail. I'm not sure how this works. It's not, doesn't seem the same as the civil process, which I'm familiar with, which you have to personally serve someone when you start an action, unless you get some kind of order for substitutional service. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how Transport Canada would operate in that regard. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to look into. So it, it appears that uh, Mr. Gu has been out of Canada since the time of the incident. So I don't know if they had an alternative means of serving him if he were in Canada, but he he hasn't been here. So and, and that's assuming he, he needs to be served with these charges. And I, I don't mm-hmm. know uh, if if what the service requirements are. I suppose we can go to the to the act and look it up, but uh, maybe we'll do that for another time. <laughs> Definitely. So back to the the GoFundMe page. The drone pilot has written on his page. He said. I was never intending to break any laws or make money by posting footage to my Instagram account. I simply wanted to share footage of an epic historic event that would go down in history. Um, Then he goes on to say that he is essentially homeless and his lifestyle has been focused on traveling and traveling in order to capture and share the beauty of the world with everyone. So for him, his drone footage is basically his artistry. And that in itself is is commendable you know like your drone footage your the the footage that you're making and you're making some beautiful footage that capturing some beautiful footage rather is is um is your artistry and i feel for him if he's essentially homeless i'm not sure what he means by that if he is indeed homeless then uh, then my, my i i do sympathize with him but i want to just comment on uh, the lines that he or the some of the words that he writes there never intending to break any laws and those are a lot of times famous last words. And unfortunately, in our legal system, ignorance of the law is not a defense to, to any liability under the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the drone pilot then gives his ask in that same GoFundMe page. He says, and I quote, I'd really appreciate it if you could chip in to help out with my legal issues. I shared the footage with everyone with good intent to spread positivity, but this has taken an unfortunate turn. If the wind and footage that was captured has affected you in a positive way, I'd really be happy if you could chip in. Yeah, and then the pilot even offers a link to download the footage for anyone who wants to. And we've included the, the link to the GoFundMe page in our show notes. So if anyone wants, they can follow that one to his link to download if they want to look at the footage. But overall, this is quite a curious GoFundMe page. I don't think it's very typical for people to publicly confess their guilt to a crime, whether it be regulatory or other, and then ask 
for people to donate to cover their legal costs. It's kind of that unusual. <laughs> and, and you took the words right out of my mouth there, Michelle, because I was, I was thinking the same thing as I was reading that, uh, you know, or as you were reading part of that, and then I was reading part of that aloud as well, is that, huh, these are admissions. <laughs> and usually when you're, you're, I mean, this is not the nature of a, a criminal offense, but it, you know, it's a regulatory offense, but yeah, the, the general advice you get when you're charged with something from lawyers is that, okay, you just better shut up at this point. Mm-hmm. And if you want to have any hope of not finding a, you know, as, as they say, sometimes they technicality to get out of the, the charges, but you have to make sure that the prosecution, the crown proves their case against you. Mm-hmm. Right. And to just freely make admissions like this, uh, you know, if this guy gets charged, I, I, I don't know what, uh, what kind of defense uh, he would have, uh, especially given that uh, th- those admissions. Mm-hmm. But the bigger part of this GoFundMe page really opens up the debate. Is the drone pilot in this case you know, a hero or a villain? Is he uh, advancing uh, his, his art? And you know, arguably, he is advancing his art and, and spreading, uh, in his words, positivity. No. And on the one hand, we have these laws, regulations enacted by the federal government to largely protect people for safety reasons. And thankfully, no one was hurt. Thankfully, his drone operated as it was supposed to operate, uh, at least from what we know, and that it didn't fall from the sky or debris fall from and hurt anyone. Because oh, actually, I heard that a lot, enough people were hurt uh, during the parade. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there are potential risks of serious harm if that drone were to malfunction, if it were to crash into the crowd or say crash into perhaps a a helicopter, if it could fly that high. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And, And it's so fascinating because then there's this other aspect to it where you think, well, if the pilot hadn't actually taken the risk that day, none of us would have had that amazing footage that he captured. And that's right. And, yeah, and what's interesting is that some of the comments that are on his GoFundMe page, and one individual here wrote, Toby captured incredible footage of a once-in-a-lifetime event. Countless people have enjoyed the footage, which has been reposted and used in new segments, sometimes without credit. The least we can do is spare him from the fine as a thank you for taking the risk on behalf of everyone else. Okay, fair enough. And then another one the commenter wrote, Foot- the footage is iconic and he realized his mistake. <laughs> Basically saying, yeah, okay, he admitted it. My favorite comment on the GoFundMe page is, don't let anyone rain on your parade. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> so you can kind of see how for this drone operator that the drone footage, he feels it's his medium for storytelling and showing people perspectives on the world that they might not be able to see otherwise, whether it be um, just a story they wouldn't think to learn about, or in particular, a vantage point that maybe people just can't access from the normal human eye. Some people do really seem to appreciate his art, and they feel that there was no harm done, no one was hurt, we got this great footage, it was fine. But then you do also have to consider that we have laws for reasons. And now, since we have a legal podcast, and we're not a political podcast, I don't think we really want to dive into our personal views of whether he it, he was right or wrong in capturing this footage, but it's just kind of an, an interesting debate to think about. Yeah, we won't, we'll stay clear of any politics. Uh, yeah, we won't dive into, you know, the right or wrong in terms of the, the you know, the, the artistic versus uh, whatever uh, debate that can be had that's not legal. But I'm 
definitely have no uh, hesitation in commenting on the legal aspects of this. You know, to date, he's raised over $1,200, I believe. And um, I haven't found any other updates as to whether he actually paid his fines. Yeah, I'm not sure how that all panned out. There hasn't been any other news stories about it, but there is another twist in the story. So this kind of wasn't the end of our um, drone pilot's days. He allegedly got himself into some more trouble, and this time he's facing backlash after capturing video blog footage. So I believe this this wasn't with a drone, but he was capturing the footage in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And in September 2019, he allegedly printed out a fake media pass to capture footage of protests in Hong Kong. And while capturing the violent footage, the this Mr. Gu was smiling and joking about being tear gassed. And then he later took down the video and replaced it with a different video edit of it, suggesting that he wanted uh, to show the fight for freedom. And I quote here, unfortunately, at the, to- at the same time, I was trying to get more views. I was trying to get this video to explode. I was trying to get exposure. And it looks like I got that, but in a bad way. That, that actually reminds me, Greg, of a story I just saw the other day about a gentleman who decided to tell people on a plane that he had the coronavirus or <laughs> something like this. <laughs> okay. And he did it while um, recording a cell phone video. And apparently he's pulled similar stunts before making sort of weird announcements. And he thought that it would just be entertaining to get people's reactions but then what actually happened is they turned the plane around this time. Did but he actually have coronavirus? No, no, no. He was perfectly healthy. hadn't traveled to China. He was fine. Um, but he was just saying this because he thought he would get a reaction out of people. And then this reaction would go viral. So, And he, it did go viral, I suppose. But what, what an idiotic thing to do. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like there is this kind of trend right now that people are maximizing everything for exposure <laughs> and to go viral. Yeah. And, and it looks like this guy, um, Mr. Gu, he, he admits that, well, maybe this is what was not the best thing to do in terms of, you know, like the, the Hong Kong footage, but you know, like just when we're reading, you know, his, I guess his excuses or his justification, things like that. And it's like, okay, that's all good, but you have to take responsibility for your actions. You know, and that's like, as you mentioned, that's, you know, the laws are in place and the regulations in Canada are in place for, for drone flying for a reason. It's, it's a safety thing. You know, what if, are, are like, yeah, what if that you had actually injured someone? Do you, do you disregard that possibility and in, in the hopes that just nothing will go wrong? And thankfully, nothing went wrong here. But it, it just, the way he has carried out himself, it, I, I don't think it shows much remorse here for what he has, he has done or what the, the potential consequences are. Yeah, maybe the, the chances of the drone failing were not too high, mm-hmm. but it could have failed, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if he took that all into account and maybe he didn't know the law, but again, ignorance of the law is no defense to, to being uh, liable under the law, whether criminal or civil. And you take that all into account, if he weighs the consequences and he does it anyways, then he has to be ready to face the consequences. Mm-hmm, definitely. And that's a, and that's a lesson for, for, for anything. And, you know, uh, under law is like, get your legal advice, know what the law is, you do your due diligence. And if you choose still to do something contrary to the law or to regulations under the law, 
then be prepared to face the consequences if it comes to haunt you again later at some later point. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's, um, it's very interesting because I think definitely storytellers, um, you, need to, you need to push the boundaries and artists and finding new ways of expressing things. But yeah, the law, the law is also there and it's a real thing. So it's important to keep that in mind and also keep things like safety and consideration and of others in mind as well when you're creating. Well, that, that's exactly it. And uh, I, I do not encourage anyone to follow into Mr. Uh, Gu's footsteps here and to illegally fly your drone over a restricted airspace or over crowds when you don't have the proper you know, uh, licenses and haven't registered your drone and, and all that other stuff. So again, uh, we will post the Canadian aviation regulations under Transport Canada. Uh, Everything you need to know about registering your drone and licensing yourself as a pilot are in there. And of course, listen to our previous episode with uh, Matt Matthews, our fa- fantastic drone pilot, who gave us a lot of detail about those kinds of uh, processes or, or procedures you have to go through to get yourself licensed properly to fly your drone. Definitely. So follow the law, y'all. But also then, yeah, (laughs) but if you don't like the law, that's the political side. Then it's like, you know, talk to political representatives, do what you feel. But in the meantime, until it's changed, follow the law, (laughs) y'all. That's it. Yeah, we cannot, we cannot as lawyers counsel anything else, but (laughs) (laughs) counsel of, uh, you know, taking action contrary to law. (laughs) Definitely. So I guess to kind of wrap things up based on the stir that our um, Raptors drone pilot managed to cause in 2019, I imagine this isn't the last that we're going to hear from him. (laughs) So perhaps we'll have some future episodes touching on what he's up to and maybe we'll hear about uh, where his finds ended up. Yeah, well, uh, it'll be very interesting to see whether Transport Canada, uh, the, the Crown, is able to successfully prosecute him. Even mm-hmm. if they do, they, they prosecute him without him being here. If he's not a, uh, we, we, I don't think we have any information whether he's a citizen or a permanent resident of Canada or he's just visiting here, but you know, wh- whether they'll even be able to collect their $3,000 in fines, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine, you know, the, the effort that you have to go through to prosecute someone for $3,000 in fines is going to cost a lot more than you ever, these, you know, Transport Canada's ever going to be able to collect in, in fines from this individual. It's very true. Maybe Transport Canada will start a GoFundMe page. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to, to, to fund cover their, our legal uh, costs. Prosecution efforts. <laughs> yeah. We'll see maybe 50 cents being donated. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this has been fun chatting again, Greg. Uh, where can the listeners find us? They can find us on Instagram at Legal Cut Pro. They can find me on Twitter at Cyclaw, that's C-Y-C-L-A-W. And of course, they can find you on Instagram at Michelle Molyneux. And of course, they can find this podcast on all your favorite popular podcast catchers, namely Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and a few more. Definitely. So the moral of today is, until the next episode, follow the law, y'all. <laughs> y'all. <laughs> all right. Good night, y'all. <laughs> Thank you. 
Legal Cup Pro has been produced by Greg Pang and Michelle Molyneux. Excerpts of Just Say Go, Dr. Octavo Mendicity, mixed courtesy of Dr. Octavo and Michelle Molyneux. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated on it is to be construed as legal advice. The views expressed by the hosts of Legal Cup Pro and any guests are their own and do not represent the opinions of any organization or other person unless otherwise stated. Intro sound clip film projector countdown has been truncated from its original form and is copyright 2013 Ivan Gabovich used under Creative Commons BY3 license. Outro sound clip film projector reel runs out by Stefan021 is used under Creative Commons CC01.0 license. This podcast is copyright of Red Frame Law and is licensed to you under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial CC BYNC 4.0 license. For details of that license, visit creativecommons.org.